You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up, friend? Uh, tis the season, my brother. Yeah, man. Um, it's unusually warm though. Checking, do a yes. little weather check. Yes. Unusually warm in a good way, huh? Like, I mean, you're out there, you're grinding, you're touching the people. Uh, yeah, not if you like, because what I usually do is I check, I'll check the weather, you know, for the week and then the day before. Sure. And now, according to the weather, I'll dress, you know, accordingly. Right. Mm-hmm. Proper. Right. So I'll go out, I go 60, 67. Okay, cool. I go, I'll walk out the, the house this morning. It was humid. I yeah. was like, oh, well, I'm not. I'm not turning back. I can't go back. Yeah, it's been on. It's too late. I already got long johns on underneath yeah. these jeans. Got to pay attention to humidity. Humidity is very, very important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It could be sixty, but if the humidity is ninety, it's like, oh no, that's yeah, that's like mid seventies. Yeah, it feels odd. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like how it's been, but um, I still, despite that, I've been, you know, I started my, you know, rolling out my Christmas ship movies and music okay. and stuff like that, you know. Um, obviously I wait till deeper in the game to get to the home alones and things like that. Mm. But I like to kick things off with, you know, some nice winter, wintery movies, not like Harry Potter and uh, the James Bonds of the world. I don't go straight to straight up Christmas movies yeah. until it's at least a 12 on the date. You know okay. It's got to be at least a 12 on the date. I don't do straight up Christmas movies in the 11s. I respect that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, you, you excited? Like, you know, it's Christmas time. I know you got kids. I know it's like, that's like. All the joy is gone, right? That's like you you live to see them open presents now. Like you don't really want presents, right? Uh, not really. I mean, I'll take a you know, I'll take a little something, socks, like, yeah, something some, like that, boxers. I don't really get much. Not a little bit of money, but yeah, you know, the stuff I used to get, mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's it's divvied up now. So I'm not getting the, I don't get the hundred bill from the, from grandma no more. No, like twenty. Oh, you still get that? Yeah, you living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take this as an opportunity just to let you know, just say to you, you know, I'm technically this is uh my my first Christmas. This is like a housewarming kind of Christmas. Oh, okay. So if you want to give me, you know, any kind of lamp or anything like that, feel free. You know, oh, that I won't, I won't, I won't, to, I won't turn you down. You know, nothing like that. I'm just saying. Uh, but you know, we can move on from that. We can talk about that off air. All right. We can talk about that off air. I got you. Uh, I wanted to take a quick moment. Um, not I don't have much to talk about because again, uh, the world is always crazy as always, but. Uh, it's been about a week and we had pre-recorded or something last week. So we didn't get a chance to discuss the, uh, and unbelievable murder of, uh, takeoff. One of the Migos, very yeah. popular rap group. Uh, I want to say rest in peace to him. His funeral was this past week on this past Friday. Um, still really in shock of that. I don't know if there's been a, a bigger random killing of a, a, a person of this magnitude of music in a, in a while. Yeah. And I know we have like, there are some listeners who are, maybe not of the hip-hop culture or maybe a little older who don't really understand how big the Migos are, but they are a massive, I mean, they're a massive rap group, and one of them was killed, like, senselessly at a, a bowling alley party, and that goes into a whole nother discussion about yeah. what these rappers have to do and 
other people don't have to do. I'm still kind of wrapping my head around this whole checking in thing. Mm-hmm. It's been a part of the discussions a lot in a lot of hip hop media over the last few years. It's for it's been happening for a long yeah. time. I don't quite understand, but it's well, it's the I guess the idea is that if you want to come into some of these cities as a rapper and like portray yourself as your rapper image, you know, have gold chains on and look cool. And no, maybe, I mean I get that. I just don't understand like why is it a thing? That's what I was getting to. Oh, okay. You have you can't do that in our city without our permission is I guess the thing. But I'm, for me, I'm like, if I'm a mil and that's, this is where the argument for me is where it's gotten, it got crazy with this case. For one, this was apparently like an a strange accident, but we come in here, we talk all the time, these, these young kids getting killed and then posthumous albums come out and these record labels make all these millions of dollars off, off the, off black trauma and death. It's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a really disgusting cycle, but this was a really unique one kind of, cause it was an accident. Like he, he wasn't robbed or anything like that. It's just, he caught a stray bullet apparently. Right. Mm. But anyway, the point is like, if I'm a millionaire, why am I hanging out with, I can portray whatever image I want to. I, I can be the, I can be the Migos and look cool and go to Houston and I'm going to hire bulletproof cars and mm-hmm. security guards who know what they're doing. I don't need, I shouldn't need to pay for protection from the goons of the city that I'm in town to have a good time in, you know? Uh, uh, the fallout boy doesn't have to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? When Maroon five goes to Houston, they don't have to like check in yeah. with the local gangs to, to, to go out and have a good time and party and stuff like that. So it really is. I've, I find it unusual that this, this happened to a group that at the, of this magnitude, you know, cause they are like an iconic rap group. I would say, they're the biggest rap group of the last 20 years, easily. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I can't even name a rap group that's even close. When you, you go back to, like, you have to go back to, like, the 90s, a Wu-Tang Clan and, a, you know, crisscross, And you have to go to, like, of, in the last, like, 20 years of all the 2000s, there's not a bigger rap group than the Migos. And one of them got murdered, bro. Yeah. It really is. Like, like what were you thinking when you, when you, when you found that out? I'm sure you found it out, like, immediately. It was yeah. breaking news. It was like, I was right before I went to work and I was like, uh, it was, wasn't to the same extent as when Kobe died, but it was still one of those where it's like, man, you can go any minute. Yeah. And it's like. Top of the, they just had a new album about to come out. Yeah. And, and uh, album did come out. Him oh. and, him and uh, what's his name? Quavo. Out. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, damn, man, he's not really a dude that's like out there in the, in the media guy. too much. Yeah. Quiet Very guy. quiet and just like. Wrong place, wrong time, man. Wrong it's just, place, man, wrong just, time. It's it can happen to anybody. That's what that's what mostly sinks in with me. Like this can happen to anybody. You th- it's like life is short and life is is precious at all times. But yeah. when somebody's like at the top of their craft and living, so can do any has access to whatever they want, yeah. whenever they want, can do whatever they want, and they're like, I think he's like twenty eight or twenty eight, yeah, and he just is gone. Yep. And it's one of those things where it's like I'm I, I tr- I'm trying not to get bogged down in like the cultural implications of why those two people are worth multi millions of dollars. Yeah, between like those Quavo and and take yeah. Takeoff were at this party. I know you're about to go, but I f- that's different. That's a whole different discussion. Where do you Where do you think I'm going? I think you're going like why they, why were they in that place at doing that activity? Yeah, and I'm trying not to get hung up on it, but it's hard for me not to get hung up on it because I. In it's a legitimate mind, question, though. In my mind, I go, if I'm worth multi-millions of dollars and I want to roll dice, why Why wouldn't I just get on a private plane, fly to Las Vegas? I can roll all the dice I want to. I you know, so that, it's, like, it's, like you, it's, like, it's like you make it out of these situations, but you, wanna, you still want to prove that 
you're in touch and maybe that maybe as a maybe as a musician especially specifically in hip-hop like you need to feel that connection to the streets to feel like you're making music for the streets like you mm. can't feel like you're making music for the streets if it doesn't feel authentic yeah. maybe that's what it is like you can you really be a rapper making sh- music for like everyday people living that life if you don't t- tap in and, and check in and see what the new slang is and all mm-hmm. that stuff. You can get out of touch really quickly, I guess is the idea. But, man, it doesn't feel genuine because it feels like you're paying those people to hang out. Like, like you almost, it's like, you, we have to hang out with these people here. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, and it's like something I don't understand because I guess I'm not a part of it. But I hear about it so much, especially in like California, like, Los Angeles, Detroit, all the major cities. Like, if you want to come here and have a rap show and go to strip clubs and drive bikes down the road, there's some person who doesn't own any of these buildings, yeah, who doesn't own anything, and you have to, like, come and do business with them or come shake their hand and take pictures with them and stuff like that. I, it just is an odd situation, it and is, it's yeah. really tragic um, because, again, these are people that have – international hit songs, you know, songs with like Katy Perry and Elton John, I think they might've even done songs with, and you know, like ma- major, like they're pop stars. Yeah. The Migos are I mean, pop they changed, stars. They changed the rap. They legit they changed rap. rap. Like they are, it's their, their icons. He, yeah. he is one third of an iconic, like you can't talk about rap in the last 20 years and not mention the Migos. That is, yeah. a, that is a fact. Yeah. And he's dead, man. That's, that's absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. And it's and it's it, again it's wrapped up in this conversation about stuff that I just don't understand, um, but don't like, don't understand it. But there's something insidious about it that that the wealthy these wealthy people can't just like go live their life. Whether it's because they feel they need to, I don't I don't know if necessarily I want to say a thing of like they're being held hostage. Like nobody made them hang out with those people mm-hmm. they were hanging out with. But it, I feel like they probably feel like those are the people you have to hang out with if you want to be safe in in that city and it it wasn't the case this time yeah get security man is that uh, is that like is it like it looks like forbidden it looks like it looks like and that's and that's what i i didn't you know this this is a true crime podcast so i don't want to get bogged down in hip-hop but like yes it speaks to like the ideology of like you like a chump you look like a chump you're not rapping yeah, why why don't you have your gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should you should be shooting the gun if there's problems coming. It's like and and I think that's bullshit across the board. Yeah. But specifically when you're talking about a pop group. I mean, they are they are the Beatles for a lot of these kids, you know? So that the idea that having security and that's that doesn't look cool. You got to surround yourself with like you, when you go to a city, you got to get security from like the goons. Yeah, you have your goons. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just and uh, untrained. Nah, no man, no. it's crazy, bro. He got killed by a guy who like was there to protect him. Yeah, and and shot somebody randomly or however it went down. I I just from what I've been able to put put together, this wasn't like meant for him. No, so that's even worse because those are the people you hired to. Or not even higher. I'm still waiting for the full details to come out because I don't think this what's been circulated. I don't think that's because it's like two different stories I've heard, but I don't think either one of those are what went down. Sure, and I think the only person that can be like this is what happened is won't say anything. Won't say. Won't say nothing. Nobody will say anything. And whoever not right now. Yeah, I don't think whoever did it 
Well, I guess they could be arrested. I don't know. I would expect it to be like a the streets took care of it type of thing, but who knows? I don't know. But uh, that was kind of the big bombshell for yeah, me uh, over the last week. It was, you know, just like a culturally relevant thing. Also, Elon Musk bought Twitter, and it's a dumpster fire right now. It's been that's been that's been fun. That's been I've been enjoying that. Hilarious. I you know he spent forty four billion dollars to buy Twitter. And immediately ruined it. It was forty-four billion now. That's what they said. He had to get like investors. Forty-four and million. Oh dang. Oh All billion. Right. I don't know forty-four million. Forty-four billion dollars. Yeah, see, see, but you really can't believe nothing that's on the internet because, like, somebody said he bought it for forty-four million, but it's it, it's worth two billion dollars. The numbers don't really matter. He <laughs> bought it, he bought it for a lot of money. He bought it for more. A lot of people are saying he bought it for more money than it's worth. So whether it's worth two billion, he bought for for forty-four. Whatever the numbers are, he paid more for it than. People think he should have. He's gonna make his money back. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. He's not gonna make his Twitter money blue. Back. He's gonna make all his money back. Twitter blue is already it's it's, it's already been put on the shelf for a bit. Because, already, yeah, because people were making doing people was making verified accounts and then being yeah. like, "I'm Adrian Wojnarowski. LeBron James has been traded to the Utah Jazz." I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. Yeah, you can just buy a blue check. The blue. I know check, you can blue. I know you can buy, but I know I didn't know people was doing that. Yeah, the blue check matters, That's bro. Right. Like if you see a blue check, you assume that somebody it lost has its a, value. Yeah, if somebody has a level of credi- credibility. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. validity, and now you can just pay for it. Yeah. So what does it? It doesn't mean anything. But those people get made fun of, and that's hilarious to me. What do you mean those people get made fun of? Like if you go on like just threads, oh, and if the you buy a blue check, like, this guy bought this it. What a lame. Yeah, yeah no, I hilarious. would never buy that's that. Funny. I don't even want it now. It he's it he, has no meaning. In a week of having Twitter, he's ruined <laughs> this status symbol that is like you know yeah. like if everybody can get in the club, I don't want to go to that club. Yeah, yeah, man. You can just pay eight dollars, and you know, I throws off the subscription money. Uh, oh, yeah. Like I'm in Magic King, City, kings of subscriptions. Oh, I'm the king of subscriptions. I'm kings. I'm king sus. King, king sub. King <laughs> sub. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not king sus. I might be king sus, but I'm king sub. Yeah. Um, I I got them all. Yeah, Shutter, Paramount Why? Plus, Discovery What's Plus. Shutter? Is that like a uh, oh, it's car? Like horror, horror Netflix? Oh, that was like the car. Uh, the car subscription thing. No, well, but I might like, have that. I don't even know what you're describing, well, you but I'm like, interested. You, you can, can you can convince me right now if, if you get just, it. If you need a car, you can just like. It's the app. And oh, then you just go. Yeah, I know what you're talking you about. You go like car gurus or something. You just go pick the car up. Yeah, yeah I might have that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'll subscribe to something in a heartbeat. Oh, that's correct. I'm not getting Twitter Blue. I don't want it. I don't want to maybe pay that, for a subscription. Ooh, maybe I should. I should write a letter to A and E. Be like subscription addict or something like that. that oh yeah, hoarders, subscription hoarders. I'd be on be subscription that. hoarders, <laughs> and I'd be oh, and when when the 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 like the psychologist comes to yeah. have a conversation with me, and I'm like, I need it. Like when they're like, listen, when's the last time you were on MTV Plus? Yeah. I'm like, well, if I want to watch Teen Mom three, <laughs> I have it. Well, do you watch Teen Mom three? No, but I might want to watch it at some point. Just let me keep it. That was how. <laughs> that's and I have so many ones that I'm like. Yeah, but like this thing's coming out. Yeah, I almost got rid of Peacock. Right? You the, have Peacock? <laughs> what do you? What? Do you, why? What did you watch? Fresh Prince of Bel Air? You know, like yeah, for Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, there was uh, Doctor Death. They made a show about it, and now there's a Casey Anthony documentary about to come out where she's supposed to talk for the first time or whatever like that. I almost got rid of it. Okay, that's but, a legit reason to get it. But it's. There's but always going to be a legit reason yeah, for me to keep it. You haven't watched any. When last time you been on it? Ooh, brother, I don't even know if it's on any of my apps that I. Have. I don't even know if I have you the have app Peacock. on any of the. Uh-huh. I pay for Peacock, but I don't That's even crazy. think it's on any of the things I use to stream. It's unbelievable. I don't think I have the app like up ready to watch it. I just pay for it, and it just it just I'm just throwing money in the in the garbage. 
Keep every it month. Alive, man. Yeah. Oh man, I got all kind of apps like on my phone. I did a I did a little sweep recently because it's like I'm paying for like editing photos apps and stuff. So it's like I'll go check my bank account and just it'll be like. Yeah, you're not getting hit. It'll be like Apple Bill Pay, nine dollars, fifty dollars, seven dollars. Yeah, eight. I'm like, they, they just hit me for the Apple Music cost fifteen dollars no, a month. Man, what is all this hit, extra hit shit? All that, all of these all of it. So it's been like, who knows how long I've been subscribed yeah. to these things? They've been hitting me off hard, but I don't. I'm like always. Again, we talked about this That's off crazy. air. I was like, I'm like, but then you gotta go in and look and find where to cancel it. Then they send you, you to. Are you sure you want to? No, you don't. It have was to so easy, bro. Yeah, just hit. It was so right easy. <laughs> It's so easy. It was so easy. And so they've been hitting me off for like a couple of years. Slaves, they got me. Man. They got me for a couple hundred Eating. dollars, all these things. Because I just was like, it's, it's, it's more work to get rid of it than to keep it. It took That's it what took Attic 10 will say. I know. <laughs> yeah. A subscription hoarders coming soon to A&E. No, for sure. No, no doubt. I, I own my shit. I own my shit, man. I, you know, I, I got I, I to work on that. Yeah. You know, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's go ahead and uh, do these, do these uh, shout outs real quick. Oh yeah, it is time to celebrate some new patrons, friend. Got a short list this week, but short and sweet. Love it all the same. Uh, up first, we got a big shout out to Sarah V. Sarah, <laughs> you you know what it is. You know you know how me and Sarah go way back. Me and you, Sarah, we used to kick it. Go to Five Guys Burgers and Fries. Sarah's good people. Uh, you know, out there, keep doing your thing. Uh, Sarah, shout out to you. Up next, we got Heather S. Heather. More like Heather the best That Heather's the best That's ever There's ever been Heather More like Better Better than the rest of them You got it I got it And uh, lastly we got Nora Steen That is a That is a That's a throwback name And I love it Nora Steen She sounds like She makes marmalade Or something like that I like that Nora Steen Shout out to Nora Steen Keep doing your thing Uh, Very artistic photograph Uh Black and white something I don't know if that's Andy Warhol Don't really know what's going on there But shout Norstein Hey Do you Boo boo And uh, yeah Those are all the shout outs uh, Short list this week uh, Anyway uh, What we're gonna do is We're gonna take a quick break And when we come back We're gonna get some fucked up shit So stick around Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation. Which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my mylifeinabook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day 
at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time, that's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right, Sleek, go first this week. Yes. So my affirmative murder this week is about the story of Herbert Gerald's Jr. Herbert Gerald's Jr. Yes, Herbert Gerald's Jr. So here we go. So Herbert Gerald's Jr. was born on November 13, 1964. Little is known about Gerald's early life, but it is known that his father, whom he is named after, Herbert uh, Gerald Sr., yes, abandoned him in early childhood, and that Gerald's suffered savage abuse from his mom's boyfriend. Mm. Herbert spent years before his killing spree that I will be getting into um, in New York in the year of 1992 when he was paroled from prison. Mm. Uh, they said that he had some type of job in New York, but there is no record of him, him having any type of empl- an employment. Sure. Maybe he was doing like some undercover shit on, under the table under, type yes. stuff. Um a lot of that type of stuff in New York. Yes, but it, there was only documentation that he was, him being incarcerated was the only thing they had to connect him that, oh, he was in New York. Got it. So November 21st of 1992, or sometime during that year, he came back to Chicago. That's where he's from. Okay. So he, he made his way back to Chicago, mm-hmm. and he was charged with residential burglary. And he did five years for the residential burglary charge. So just a guy just... Not off to a great start in life. Yeah. Early criminal. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Gerald was the man responsible for the murders of five female sex workers from December 22nd, 1994 to June 17th, 1995. He was also responsible for the attempted murder and sexual assault of another female sex worker Mm. who escaped Gerald's attack of strangulation. All of his murders took place in the city of Chicago. In particular, on the southern side in the neighborhood of Englewood. Now, does that south side of Chicago, Englewood, does that ring any bells? Um, yeah, I mean, it rings bells. I don't know if for the reason that you're looking for, but, I mean, there's a lot of uh, activity in the south side of Chicago as far as, like, active serial killers killing fem- uh, women and sex workers, and we had a discussion with the guy. My man Jordan. Yeah. We had this discussion with Jordan. I ended up went going back to listen to that to see if there was any Connection. connections. Uh-huh. But was that it? That, that I, was no that w- is that why you were asking me that? Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, okay, yeah, shit. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Okay. So um I went back and listened to the episode because I was like, oh shit, I remember doing that. And it was that was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I remember that guy being a uh what was the term he used? A private detective. Yes. Um shout out and, to Jordan. Yes. And uh I was trying to Cause he had to be careful what he was. He had to filter what he had, what he was saying yes. on the episode. So what I episode to, is that, by the way? So that was ep- uh, there's. One, I don't think you had it, the numbers yet, no but it's it's the the missing and murdered women of Chicago. Is got the it. episode. Got it. Got it. And it's uh, it's July first, twenty twenty one. If okay. anybody want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't listened to it yet. So I, was tr- I listened to that, see if, if there were any connections. There were any, least that I couldn't I couldn't connect because there was no names. And he was he was, he was, he was no treading lightly too. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, there yeah. was no names being used. But what stood out is Southside of Chicago, Inglewood, which those areas are big time areas for, you know, this type of crime activity. Yeah. I was like, dang, you know, I was like, unsolved, just, unsolved, right, just listening to him and then all like the women as, you know, sex workers out there and these guys are going around, you know, uh, 
murdering these women and nobody cared and then leaving them in trash cans and dumpsters. And I was like, those details are in my story as well. Yeah. But I just couldn't, I couldn't be like, you know, this is what he was talking about. I just, I just couldn't. So, but I just wanted to bring that episode up because that was, that was a great interview. And if anybody haven't listened to it, go listen to that. So all of his murders took place in the city of Chicago, in particular on the South side in the neighborhood of Inglewood, which is per- which is popularly known for high crime rates and 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 uh, low socioeconomic area. Mm-hmm. Within Inglewood, an area known as the Stroll, the Stroll, the Stroll, mm. on South Halstead Street, was a popular location where Gerald's where Gerald's began his you know his murdering process or you know picking out his victims. Yeah, it's called the track. Some other places. Yeah, Stroll, the Stroll, the the track, high 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 sex work. Yes. Areas. Yes. Yep. And, you know, this guy been going there multiple times before, you know, he took that step in and, like, you know, physically harming these women. Yeah. A John. He's probably a John. Yeah. People knew him. They know him. They seen him around before yeah. until he, you know, so when he started going, turned up missing, and he became a suspect. Yeah. At the time of the murders, Gerald was 30 years old. He was addicted to drugs, sex workers, you know, mainly for their services. Mm-hmm. His M.O. became seducing drug-addicted sex workers with drugs and the drug being crack cocaine, which the drug he used, you know, to lure these these women to have a night with him or, you know, yeah, whatever. And then strangling his victims once he had them in privacy. He knew some of his victims from previous, you know, sexual-related encounters, mm-hmm. and he used a technique known as the guardian angel chokehold. To what's, strangle his victim. What's what's so special about that? What what does that entail? That's just a like a uh I, I think what we would call it is just like a um It's like a from the, behind? It's or? from behind and you it's the like arm. A, like a L. Yes, yep, exactly. So I I know we I know there was another like street term used for like a I don't I can't I don't know why I can't think of it right now, but arm around the the, the uh, front of the neck and mm. then you lock it with that other right arm yeah. in front of your other arm and then that's the the guardian angel. It's a it's a um Martial arts type of sure. you, know, mo- you know move you would use. Yeah. So at trial, the prosecution noted that Gerald was someone who had the ca- the capacity to look a woman dead in her eyes, wrap his hands around her neck, and squeeze the last bit of life out of these women. Jesus. And all five of his murders, he was charged with. Um, the cause of death, which was asphyx- asphyxia by strangulation. There was one case where the victim got away and survived, which I'm about to get to in a bit. And the name of these victims um, were Doretha Withers, who was 37 years old, Alonda Tart, who was 23 years old, Joyce Wilson, who was 28 years old, Melissant Peanut Jones, who was 25 years old, and Mary Blackman, who was 42 years old. On June 18, 1995, the day after the body of Mary Blackman was found, Gerald was arrested. Mm. Mary Blackman's body was found in a waste disposal trash bin at the house that she shared with Gerald's family on South May Street in Inglewood, Chicago. That is very close to, literally close to home. But like, so this woman, he, he dumped her body outside of the home that she lived at. Yep. And she lived at that home with members of his family? Yeah. She was a very, she was a good friend of Gerald's sister. Wow. Yep. So Herbert Gerald's, like, it's, he did it. 
the crab scene is like at the house. Yeah. You know. So it was like he was there was no thought. over over at the family's house and yeah. then decided he was going to sexually and leave assault it. And, this, yes, and, and kill then, this woman. Right. And then throwing a trash can outside the house like nobody's going to eventually find his body. Wow. So Herbert Gerald's sister, Angela Gerald's, found the decomposing body of Blackman and contacted the police, giving them further information about how Gerald's how Gerald was a violent drug abuser and how she believed that he may have something to do with the death. So his sister knew that, you know, this He's fucked up. This guy's, guy was this fucked guy's up. Wacky. And nine out of ten, she's like, that, I know it had to be him. Yeah. Yep. Which is crazy for your sister to go like, oh, I know. I know who exactly what this was. But that's good, though. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Some people don't, you know, protect their, some people protect their family no matter what. So the police arrested Gerald, noting that he had contacted the police in March about a sex worker. Joyce Wilson, who I mentioned earlier. So he called the police about one of his victims. Like a tip or, or like he complained like he like she stole from I him. don't think it was a tip. I think it was just like, you know, I pictured that like they had like some type of night and then he was like, oh, she died from oh drug abuse. I mean, drug overdose. Oh, something OK. Like that. I was picturing something. I was picturing that like she he would. He he didn't like how much she charged him or something, and he was calling. That's crazy. Like you never seen the episode of Cops where that lady called uh, the cops to a crack house, and she was like, no. "I bought, I bought two, two crack rocks? rocks, but he only gave me one crack rock." And the guy, the police officer, was like, <laughs> "Are you are you telling me that you, you bought serious? drugs?" Yeah, so yeah. She's like, "Yeah, well, I'm saying he robbed me." No, nah, it was crazy. Cra- it was yeah. It was, <laughs> are you on crack? Yeah, the police. Yeah. Well, not as much as I would like to be on. Because <laughs> I, I was, was I was robbed. I was duped. Yeah. <laughs> I've been had. So the detectives who investigated the murders were Sir, Sergeant Jack Ridges and Chief Detective Michael Malone of the Chicago Police Department. So now at that time when that happened, I would assume that there was no questioning or no suspicion that he may have something to do with that. Uh-huh. Maybe because she was a sex worker and they know the area. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Upon his arrest on June 18th, 1995, Gerald was charged with the murder of six females and the attempted murder of one female. So just remember the number I said was six. Okay. The sixth or the fifth of the sixth one he was being accused of was killing Rhonda King in December of 1994 based on DNA linking them together. Right? hmm So Gerald's defense attorney, Alan Sincox, presented an insanity defense with the aim to have the court sentence his client to life in prison without parole Instead of the death penalty. Allen, who was, again, his defense attorney, claimed that his client was mentally retarded and had brain damage and suffered from a mental disorder known as paraphilia, mm. which caused his sexual addiction and his need to have sexual interactions with those unconscious. That's that shit. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. first person I thought of. So during the trial, this lack of mental capacity was highlighted by Gerald's Often being sleep in court. Say so this man was not enough in court. Um, and experts claim that his intelligence was lower. His IQ uh-huh. was lower than 73, mm. which classified him as, mi- as mildly, mildly mentally retarded. So Gerald's Dr- family spoke of his physical and mental troubles as a, young, as a young child. Members of his family spoke of him suffering high levels of mental, physical, and sexual abuse. Some argue that this was the cause of his mental health issue. His family also testified saying from a young age, his mental health was suffering, often harming himself and attempting to harm himself. 
often not realizing what exactly he was doing, including thinking he could jump out of windows and fly. So they were saying like, now, now you can exaggerate this a bit to sure. try to help this dude that's not have de- not get the death penalty, but y'all, y'all, yeah, they they threw a little bit of sauce. Okay, man. I get it though. I you get gotta, it. You know, family. Yeah. So the prosecution assistant state attorney Nick Ford and co-prosecutor Jane Biscoff discredited great cookie. Disc- <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> discredited the mental health plea, calling Hubert Gerald a melanger. So he was like, "Good try," but. Yeah. He's not that. He's not John Petraeus to be. Yeah. He's 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 a he's a dumb. He's dumb. Yes, but he's competent. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Y'all doing too much. Yeah. And they said like he's you know uh, fabricating and then like portraying is like oh I'm a I'm 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 retarded and and you know I'm falling asleep during the trial and yeah. I can't. It's like no you you trying to do, you trying to trying fake to, it for your benefit exactly. And we're not idiots. I think everybody <laughs> should check out the Daryl Brooks trial if you look that up on YouTube. It's fascinating stuff. I mean, he tried a little bit of that, but did he? Yeah, I mean, he would take his shirt off during the trial. He was yelling at the judge. Um, it was, it was, it was very interesting. I've been watching it for like weeks now. So much footage and different arguments that he was doing and stuff. Like people, he, that's the guy I told you he, he represented himself. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah. whole bunch of that kind of stuff. Mm. Well, except he's arrogant. He, this guy Daryl Brooks was arrogant. He didn't. He wasn't trying to portray, like portray himself as not he knowing was, what he, he was oh, doing. He thought he was like I'm he thought he, he thought he could game the system. He, yeah, he thought yeah, he was yeah. going to have some kind of defense. That That's was, crazy. He thought he thought <laughs> what he thought was he thought he was going to walk in there and be like, "I found this loophole. Yeah. So you have to let me go." And at every turn, when the judge would go, "That's not a law," he yeah. would be like, "You're cheating." Like he just would be like, "You're you're you're not letting me do my loophole thing." And uh, they found him guilty. Filibuster. You go, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but literally stuff like <laughs> that. He'd be like, he'd be like, objection, hearsay. They'd be like, it's not, it's not hearsay. Yeah. You're wrong. <laughs> Man, I was watching Judge Judy and shit. Before, oh yeah, yeah. Before, that's uh, it. Before uh, a couple episodes, case, Judge Judy. Like, I, I, I'm set. Yeah. I got this in the back. <laughs> the state attorney, prosecutor, and the co-prosecutor was, you know, claiming that he was putting, putting on an act, yep. and portraying and portrayed him as a threat to society. To society. So just to clarify up a, a bit. They were saying that he was faking this attempt to, you know, have this these mental problems. Yes. They were like, no, you are a murderer and you are a drug abuser and a dealer and you are a threat to, to society. So the strength of the prosecution's argument and a testimony came from Gerald's only surviving victim. Mm. Clinshaw, her name was Clinshaw Hopes. So she held up, she held up charges that was already laid against Herbert, rejecting um, the insanity plea. Yeah. So, they, you know, her, the charge she, you know, was held against it was, like, the only thing that kind of, like, put him away. Right. Right. So, Clinshaw Hopes was the intended sixth victim of Gerald's murder spree and was the victim of Gerald's attempted murder charge. And she testified at the trial. So on the night of April 14th, 1995, Hopes and Gerald had been smoking crack cocaine and Mm. marijuana together at her apartment in the 5700 block of South Elizabeth Street, Inglewood, Chicago. Hopes recounted that she and Gerald had left the apartment for more drugs to acquire payment method for the drugs, to, you know, buy more drugs. Uh 
they had split up and they both were alone and then out of nowhere she was grabbed you know from behind her from by her neck yeah and she she told the court that she was she felt like she was being lifted off the ground and she started to black out the l yeah but it's, yep i mean like that's definitely what he does every what he did every time had to, yeah that's diabolical and, yes and calculated yes. and like hunty because you're like you go because what you're describing at least i believe is is what you're describing is like they smoke up all their drugs yeah and then they're like i'm gonna go do whatever hustle i do to get money you do whatever hustle you do to get money we'll come mm. back see how much money we have together and then we'll go buy more drugs yeah but it, in his mind he's like i'm just gonna have you go away go walk around alone and then i'm gonna stalk you until i get it and then i pounce on you probably yeah or it, it could be quicker than that. It could be like, oh, let's leave. And then like, oh, no, you go first. Yeah. And then just you put somebody in the chokehold and then that the is it. Yeah. That is, you know, that's it. Putting somebody in the L and like you have full leverage and yeah, control. They don't know what they're it's doing. Nothing. It's, it's, it's over. It's, it's a wrap. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So he, you know, she felt him, you know, put his arms or hands around her neck and she was being lifted off the ground and she started to black out. She was attacked in an alley near... Um, Rasan Avenue. So, like you said, they went on, they went out, and you know, separate went separate, separate ways. ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when she woke up from the attack, she was being sexually abused by mm-hmm. Gerald in a van. Yeah. She fought him off. She drove. So she dove through a piece of wood covering an opening and crawled her way out. Mm. Hopes recounted running like hell. She said, and she made it back to her home where she immediately contacted the police. And Hopes identified Gerald as her attacker, but the defense argued against her identification and her validity as a witness. As she told many different versions of the story of that night when she was attacked. So she told multiple multiple stories and then they was like, I don't, we don't know if we can. You know, the, you know what the sad part about it is, is the multiple versions of the story probably were just her trying to. Piece together probably. One, that. But also probably my speculation, of course, her trying to dance around the illegal things that she was doing so that they don't make an assumption about her and then don't believe her anyway. Whereas like we were doing drugs. Yeah. Oh, so I, well, why were you hanging well, out? Well, we were just hanging yeah, yeah. out. So know. hold hold that thought. Yeah. So as she as she told many different versions of the story of the night she was attacked, Hopes defended herself by arguing. She told many different stories. Because she was protecting her image originally. Mm. Yes. Not wanting her family to know she was a drug user mm. and not wanting to face criminal charges herself. Yes. Yep. So it's like, I've told you 80% of the truth. Yeah. I just tried to leave out these pieces. But it, yeah. if, if you need now, but now you have messed up your credibility somehow with yeah. them. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's, but you're trying to not say it to not mess up your credibility. Right. So that's like, that's tough. So after after the three week trial ended on January 9th, nineteen ninety eight, Judge Michael P. Toman sentenced Gerald to death. Mm. So he confessed to all of the six killings. Yes, again I said six. Yep. While under investigation, and on November thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven, the day of his thirty third birthday, wow, he was convicted by a jury as guilty on all charges laid against him. So, again, he was he was sentenced to death. But Gerald maintains his innocence after, you know, he confessed. Yeah. He maintains his innocence even though he confessed to the murders. 
and was able to give details to the detectives about the killings and his involvement in the, involvement in the death. Mm-hmm. And he said he has said the deaths were per- purely disputes over drugs and financial situations, resulting in arguments that led to physical confrontations. Which I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, don't at, believe all. that at all. So now, Andre Crawford, right? Andre Crawford's involved in this. Yes, you know who Andre Crawford is. Yes. On January twenty eighth of two thousand, mm-hmm. Andre Crawford was arrested for the murder of eleven females in Inglewood, Chicago. Yes. The same neighborhood in which Gerald's murders took place as well. So they was going at it yeah. around the same exact time. Mm-hmm. During his investigation, Crawford admitted to the rape and murder of Rhonda King. However, if you remember earlier in my story, King was already among the murdered female sex workers that Herbert, Gerald, mm. had been sent to death row for in January of 1998. Yeah. Upon investigation... The further evidence, including a tape confession and DNA that linked Crawford and King together. It was determined that Crawford had murdered King, not Gerald. Crawford confirmed this fact by revealing details of the murder that were not released to the public. So on, Janu- on February 10th of 2000, the prosecutors vacated the conviction against Herbert Gerald's. Yeah. So Gerald was tried again, this time for only five murders and that one attempted. Yeah. So they was, it, it could be... They were saying that by him having a low IQ, he may have been coerced into being added on that sixth murder. Yeah. Or by who? By Andre Crawford? Or by, by him oh, being... Oh, by, by, by the detective. By, by the, the detective. Yeah, yeah. Or... Oh, it's, an, it's an unsolved murder. And yeah. And it, it fits the profile of his other victims. Right. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. Or he could... It's something he's just trying to... I didn't... Just reading the articles, I didn't... There was nothing in there where he was like gloating or anything like that where he yeah. was like, you know... I'll just take credit for it just to add on to my own, like, you know, credit, I guess, for, yeah. like, I have an extra body on, on my hands or whatever. But he confessed to that one, but he didn't. That's not his, that's not on his his count. That was on Andre Crawford's count. Yeah. So during the second trial, the defense argued that Gerald was so mentally ill that he was coerced into admitting guilt for all the murders by Chicago police and that the confession was valid. I'm sorry, it was invalid. The Chicago Police Department denied a, a forced confession mm-hmm. and said that regular procedure was followed in defense to the allegations. Again, the mental illness plea failed after the prosecution again claimed that Gerald was not incapacitated and he seemed urged that the jury not to be fooled. So again, he was, he was like, we're not, we're not falling for that. Yeah. Also presenting a, a letter that Gerald wrote, to a newspaper from prison. So they go, okay, well, you in here faking like... You, you are inco- you incompetent. Incompetent. But you wrote a well-written letter to the newspaper from prison. They say it was articulated correctly. Uh-huh. The grammar was... It was, was there. It was there. It was grammaring. Yes. He was grammaring. Was correct. And the handwriting is legible. Still, he remained on death row for the other five murders. It's giving Kaiser Sose. So it was like, you know... Now, could he have wrote that? Could his lawyer have wrote that? We don't know. Mm. But they said it's from the prison and, and he wrote it. So after uh, controversy and exoneration, Gerald's criminal incarceration records show five counts of class M murder, intent to kill, injure, and one count of class X attempted to murder, and attempt to kill and injury. 
In 2000, during his time as governor, Governor George Ryan declared a moratorium on Illinois state capital punishment laws. As a result of this, Governor Ryan changed the sentence of 167 prisoners mm. who were either already on death row or waiting to receive the death row, the death penalty to life in prison. So on January 11th of 2003, he was given life in prison without parole and he remains in uh, Minard Correctional Center, Illinois. Okay. So, he's still serving his time, as he should be. Uh, he escaped the death penalty. Not oh. not from his efforts of... I thought you were saying he escaped from prison. No, not from... <laughs> he escaped the death penalty, not from his efforts of being trying to be incompetent and an idiot. Just a change of the just law. Just a change of the law. Yeah. <laughs> just a change of the law. Well, it sounds like, I mean, based on like... I mean, there's like 52 unsolved, at least 52, but like 52 yeah. specifically that a, 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 like a project has put together to highlight the amount of unsolved cases of women being murdered in Chicago. Shout out to Jordan Scher who brought that to our attention. Um, that sounds like somebody that they need to be talking to and hopefully that they are. And I feel like if you go back and listen to that interview, I would not be surprised if some of the stuff that Jordan was saying, he might've been talking about Andre Crawford. Yeah. And, or, and, or Herbert, uh, Herbert Gerald's. Herbert Gerald's. Yeah. As far as that like was he a, was saying, there was two guys around the same time. It I was remember a, that. Yeah, it was another guy as well that was that had like two murders around. The same I can't time. remember that. I can't remember. I can't find the guy's name right now. But there was a third guy that was also doing some crazy shit. Yeah. Around the time these two guys were, you know, doing whatever the fuck they were doing. Yeah. And I mean, like that's that's crazy. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah, man. That was a story of, of Herbert. I want to call him Gerald Herbert. I don't know. I just feel like would make sense. Makes, yeah, <laughs> I feel like it sounds it's a dumb better. name either yeah. way. But you know, but I hey, just, man, don't don't hey, he you don't don't hate on his name, man. Herbert Gerald's, Herbert Gerald's Jr. Yeah. Well, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, wow, yeah, that's interesting, bro. Like, um, that really ties into a lot of stuff as far as things that are still unsolved in Chicago, things that are still concerns in Chicago. There's still women turning up randomly in Chicago yeah. and in, dump, in dumpsters, garbage and, and alleys and stuff, you know, and whether they're, you know, drug, drug addicted or sex workers, like there's, they're somebody's family and somebody's, they're important. Yeah. And these, these cases need to be solved and somebody needs to be brought to justice. So. Yeah. But yeah. definitely go check that, you know, that interview out with, uh, Jordan, with Jordan, yeah. Jordan Share, got to get him on again. Uh, we had something that was supposed to line up, just scheduling conflicts didn't really work out. But I would love to get him on again and just kind of hear if he has any updates in this field or anything else that he's working on. Uh, you know, he he was really tapped in. Uh, good dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, it's my turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, my affirmative murder this week was actually inspired by uh, a submission that we got uh, from uh, Tales from the Hood Minisode. Okay. Uh, a listener in Canada talking about a neighbor from hell, and he was spying on them and got into a weird kind of situation with another neighbor of theirs mm -hmm. that was stalking her and all this crazy stuff. So I was thinking about neighbors from hell that made me want to go down a rabbit hole of like neighbors from hell stories and ended up mm. on that show Fear Thy Neighbor. And then I found out about Fear Thy Neighbor's <clears throat> is, uh, filming in Baltimore and I found out about this story that I did not, I had not heard about. Somehow. In Baltimore? In, oh. in, I'll get to it, but in okay. the county. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
So um, this is the story of Everton Brown. Everton. Everton. Uh, so no one in the Baltimore County neighborhood of Woodlawn would categorize mm. Everton Brown as the ideal neighbor by any stretch of the imagination. He tormented his neighbors for years with unstable and unusual behavior. All right. So how, how do you go about that? About what? Having, having a crazy a, neighbor? A crazy neighbor. Well, you're stuck in, 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 in this stuck economy? In a, you're stuck in a mortgage for yeah, 30 years. Economy? <laughs> uh, shit. I, I mean, turn it into an Airbnb. I don't really know. I don't know. You're I'm stuck. gone, man. But I'm like, out. what does that mean to be gone? Like, I'm, I'll just sell it and take no, the I'll loss? just rent the. I'll, oh, you just I'm, I'm, I'm out of here because I just can't deal. I can't deal. I need my peace of mind. Come on, from work mind, at man. the end of the that's day. Your, that's your house. Just say, hey, that's where you go and yeah. you relax. Guys and, out there banging pans or nah, whatever man. crazy neighbors do. This guy beyond. This guy. Be, I've told the story. I, my neighbor. I'm not gonna say his name, but he was a nut. And one time he brought over a rat in a bag, at at like quarter to ten. On a weekday. So yeah. I was off work. And like, you shouldn't be knocking on my door until at least noon. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, like, you, you shouldn't even think I'm home on a weekday. <laughs> so don't even be knocking on my door at like 930. Hey, we right? know your car. I know your car was there. Right. So 930, knocks on my door. I look, you know, I, I look out the window first, you know, before I yeah. even make any foot, footprints towards the door. And yeah. I like try to be incognito. Right. But he saw me when I looked up the window. So he's like, hey, what's up? I got you. He got me. So I'm like, dang. So I opened the door up. And I like to make people feel like a dick. I opened the door up, eyes all squinted, closed. Hey, what's up, man? Like, <laughs> like, I, like, I like to try to make people be like, never mind. I'll come back. I like, oh, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, yeah, no. I, I, I play psychological warfare. I like, and I go, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, but I was in there laid up, like right. I was watching TikTok or whatever. Fully awake, I'm wide awake. I'm just chilling. So, but over the door. Oh, oh man, sorry. Morning breath, my yeah. Oh, Seth, the morning breath hit you. Sorry, what's up? <laughs> oh, bright. I'm like, I'm like eyes yeah. squinted. What's up, man? What I can do? <laughs> Nothing, man. Sorry to wake you, but you know, um, yeah, just wanted to let you know. There's like a lot of rats running around in the backyard, so you know, um, gotta be on the lookout for that. Caught a mean one. I'm like, what? Did he open it? But I'm like, I don't know what he means. He's yeah, like yeah. telling me he caught a mean rat and I, he has a bag in his hand. So I'm like, okay, cool. I don't even really know what he wants. Yeah. What is he coming to tell? Is he coming to brag? So he goes, yeah, caught a mean one. Oh, missed this part. He kind of walked in. Your house? Yeah. So he's like, hey, man. He kind of, because I had to, you know, you're like, I'm in the door in the house. Yeah. He's in the screen on the outside. And it's just the threshold of the door. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So first of all. Yeah, you get screen door. So, so the screen door's open. He's holding that up with his shoulder. And before I, you, before you open over the door, open before yeah, you open it. He's okay, already I, like I find that I find that highly intrusive, disrespectful. Intrusive. I, it's just that's too much. Don't be right in my face. You when I open the door. The screen door is there for a reason. <laughs> you don't open the screen. No, nah, I mean you just don't do that. Yeah, so he's already in my face when I open the door. Nah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you got back up. Yeah, yeah. So that I missed that part. My bad. I felt like that's an important that's piece crazy. of information to you, and that's why I that's aggressive there. too. Yeah, it's very aggressive, aggressive, especially when I tell you what is in the bag. What's in the back? So I open. So I open up my door. He's has his screen door open. So we're in this kind of like open universe of a gateway. Of yeah. Like doors open, doorways, entryways. So I'm like, I kind of just let him step up in. Nice he's guy. just in the threshold. Yeah. Like he's just kind of like, uh, you know, I had that little square tile of space. Right. Like he's on that, and we're kind of talking or whatever. And he's like, Yeah, man. It's like a rat issues or something. I don't know if there's dra- trash out there or what, but like I caught a mean one, man. Check this out. So he's in my home, in the bag, a garbage, <laughs> like a like a, a grocery store bag. Yeah, a like dead a rat yeah. is a dead rat in the bag, and he shows me. He's like, yeah, that's, a, that's a fat sucker, huh? I'm like, yeah. 
I don't even know how to react to this. So I was like, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, I'll be on the lookout, man. I don't know, man. Like, That's I don't crazy. know what to do. He's like, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to let you know that. And then he just left. No, nah, man, you don't. I, I'm still, I'm stuck on the screen door issue. Yeah. That's what you do when you know somebody. Yeah, yeah, you don't just get you up in just, the mix like that. Yeah, but did you have, I don't, wanna, I don't know if you got stories. Why don't you tell him about the, about the argument of, of him? Oh, when he thought I tried to kill his dog. Is no, that what? No, oh, I don't man. know about that. Oh, They're talking about the neighbors. What they ain't getting argument with neighbors like don't oh, fuck with me or something like that. Bringing a gun out yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he was in the neighbor on the other side of me had a boyfriend and he didn't like the boyfriend and he started putting her business about there about dating because he had lived there for so long. Yeah. That he's seen her life mm, unfold. Yeah, yeah. The guys come in and out or whatever. So he starts throwing it in her face. This guy, the guy sitting, imagine being this guy. They sit on the, they sit on the porch and like hang out. Right. So they sit on the porch hanging out, something happened, they get in some kind of argument or something like that. He's like, and then the guy's like <laughs> the guy, you, know, you got to defend your girl. So he's yeah. like, "Hey, man, hey, relax." He's yeah, like, yeah. Don't you talk to me, man. You'll be gone. Like all the, I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "So," and then a couple weeks later, they broke up. So it's like, "Damn!" So you gotta, you gotta try to sit there and eat it. Like, nah, who knows? He doesn't know what he's yeah. talking about. But it's like he kind of does. Yeah, he's been here for like twenty. And she's been here for like 15. Yeah. So he's seen so he a know. lot of it. Yeah. So he's like, you'll be guy. Don't even talk to me. You'll be out of here. Number soon. six. Yeah. You're gone. That's what was happening, right? So it's like, yeah, you keep it up. I'll be back out here. I'll bring the guys, my weapons and shit. I was like, nah. this was like in the process. Like we had to, to sign out to yeah. sell the house. Oh, and I, right. I was like, okay, this house can't sell soon enough. And don't let him be doing this when it's somebody coming for the showings. It was crazy, man. So neighbors from hell, I, I, the Canada. You can relate, man. I was like, yeah, no, this is. I needed to go down this <laughs> rabbit hole, and it led me to Everton Brown. Yeah. So anyway, Everton Brown, man, he was an absolute uh, terror on this neighborhood. In this neighborhood in Woodlawn, uh, he tormented his neighbors for years with unstable and unusual behavior. Uh, he was under the impression that the FBI was secretly searching both his home and his car regularly. And he even went as far as to accuse his neighbors of being undercover FBI agents playing the role of neighbors in some kind of spy operation directed towards him. So he's like, people out there washing their cars, <laughs> yeah. people out there checking the mailbox. He's like, mm -hmm. nice try. Mm -hmm. A likely story. The kids just got home from a soccer game and, oh, I'm sure, a likely, I'm sure. Oh, congratulations, Bryson. Yeah. Did you win the trophy? They're like, what? Yeah. We're going to Domino's, man. Do you want, like, I mean, what's up? And fuck off, <laughs> detective. You know, like, so yeah. he, he had made up this whole thing in his life That's about the, the FBI is out to get him, right? Yeah. How come I feel like somebody's watching me? The FBI? <laughs> That's my favorite. Do you know the, you know the look, the verses, right? That song's crazy. Wait, like Michael Jackson joint? Yeah, but it's only Michael Jackson only did the hook. I know that's the only the other guy's name is like his name is like John. I don't know who the other guy is. And he's oh, he goes off on that. I love that song. I don't <laughs> think that song should be relegated to only Halloween because it is one of the dumbest and funniest songs. It I've is. Ever. Is somebody watching me? Could it be the FBI? He's crazy. So when I'm in my room, oh, he goes, oh, his, his flow on that is crazy. Yeah, he's nutty. It very migos. Very amigos yeah. on that. When uh, I'm in my room. Yeah, Michael, Michael Jackson made that song. Sorry to say. It's Michael Jackson's song. <laughs> the only part that matters is the hook part. Yes. That, I don't know who, how, but the question is like, how, what did he have on Mike? He must have had the bag or something. What did, he was this guy, a drug dealer. Like, or what kind of dirt did he have? Like this? Something. He saw Mike do something and he's like, right, let me get a hook. Let me get a hook, dog. What the hook going to be? You owe me something. <laughs> you owe me one. <laughs> so... Yeah. So anyway, yeah, crazy times. Yeah. So, but this is how Everton Brown felt. He felt like somebody was watching him, right? So uh, he would often shout obscenities from his porch using a megaphone, and would march up and down his street with a gun visible. 
His neighbors began frequently calling the police on him. I mean, because what it's, else? What is, he, is he like revolting or like? Yeah, he's like he's like. <laughs> if one more of you FBI agents fraudulence come out here with your acting jobs, talking about uh, cookouts or whatever, yeah. I know I'm on to you guys. Gun out. Pizza Hut man, he thinks somebody's after yeah, him. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like somebody delivering a pizza to your neighbor. You're like, yeah, I'm, I have I'm to, on to I you. I have bills after. I'm phone. working. Yeah, I'm on Yelling. to you. I bet that box is empty. <laughs> I you don't even I, I I thought you said you were lactose intolerant. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a five dollar big box. Yeah, that, is a, <laughs> that is where's the breadsticks? <laughs> You're telling me somebody ordered Pizza Hut and didn't get breadsticks? Never. I know a lie when I see one. You can't pull a fast one on. You can't pull wool over these eyes with the megaphone. It's wild. It's all loud and echoey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got you got Chinese food again, huh? <laughs> You guys just love Chinese food. <laughs> Empty boxes. That's the thing. Just, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just buying everybody to live, people delivering food and shit. It's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, crazy guy. So, Everson had already earned his place in the Neighbor from Hell Hall of Fame, but in May of 2021, he did something no neighbor could have ever expected. It was a Saturday morning when Brown, meaning Everton, forced his way into the home of Ismael Quintanilla where he stabbed and shot the 41-year-old man to death. What? Yes. Quintanilla's wife, 37-year-old Alicote, fled the house, but Brown chased after her and shot her several times on the street on the block. Wow. So two other neighbors heard the commotion and left their homes to investigate the incident, right? And Brown shot them as well. Damn. One of the victims, who was unnamed, survived. But 24-year-old Cigar Gamir unfortunately lost his life. So he just thought everybody was after him. They're all FBI agents. They're all something. Everybody's coming out to get me all at once. I'm going into this house. This is the headquarters. Something snapped in this guy. So what do you do, though? Like, the police can't do anything if you just, like, saying I that mean, he's just I'm going to get, get into that. But, okay. yes, the police. So just keep in mind that the, there was a record of these incidences. The police were called on him many times. He's had yeah. 30 years of bad run-ins with the police, and I'll get into all that. But, the, yes, people called the police on this guy. There was a, there's, a, there's a history. I'm gone, and man. that comes into play, and I'll get into that as well the, on the legal side of that. So this chaos. Four, four people shot. Three people are dead. Absolute chaos. And it's a Saturday in May. At some point during the shooting spree, Brown set his home ablaze, triggering an explosion that destroyed his home and the neighboring house. Wow. So this guy went full five-star Grand Theft Auto. Like, I mean, you, like, everybody's coming after this guy. He killed people. He blew up a house. He set a house on fire. I mean, it's absolute chaos. Well, he blew up his own house. Well, he set his house on fire, and then I guess there was a gas line or something that, that, was, that was triggered. Yeah, but I mean, like, why he lights his house on fire? <laughs> He's like the they the wi- there's wires all in the it's house. Tapped. Yeah, the yeah, whole house is tapped. So yeah, so he destroyed his house and the neighboring house in an, in an explosion, which I guess I'll give him credit as like that wasn't intended, but he did set his own house on fire. Yeah, but the other house was affected unintentionally. But whatever, I don't I need to give this guy any passes. Yeah, He's yeah, done yeah. enough terrible. That. He can have that too. Have that credit too. You did that as well. When Baltimore County officers arrived at the scene, they found Brown waving a handgun, and when he refused to drop the weapon. Four officers opened fire. He died from the wounds a short time later. The police discovered that Brown was armed with a handgun and a knife. And more alarming, they also found explosives in his car. So he had explosives in his house. 
Yeah, he might have. Yeah, he might have blown up his. Yeah, I mean, so he had access to explosives, but they said he had the all the stuff that I read said that he, he lit his. He set his house on fire, but I mean, the house next door blew up. So who knows? I mean, he That's possibly, crazy, but he had explosives in his car. Man, Everton Brown had over twenty years of unfavorable police interactions and disturbing social media posts. Even people found YouTube videos of him just like saying crazy shit. Got 10 views and shit. Yeah, just like, and that's a whole rabbit hole on YouTube. Yeah. Finding weird conspiracy people and oh, stuff that, like, that. nobody watches their videos. Sometimes that's my favorite. Or, like, people that do, like, unboxing videos to nobody. Because everybody, you know, everybody wants to be famous. Yeah. So there's a ton of unwatched YouTube content on the internet that is so funny. It's cringy. Like, hey, what's cringy. up, guys? That's they cringy. have, like, ca- they have like a catchphrase. Can't watch that. Hasta la hello. It's me, Lacey. And I'm here to show you guys how to make macaroni salad. And it'll be like it's awful. Nasty. Yeah, it looks terrible. It doesn't look good. It has 10 views. And I'm one of the 10. A raisins in it. Oh, so bad. <laughs> and I'm one of the 10. I'm just like, man, this is amazing. No, I can't watch I, Yeah, I have, <laughs> sick, I have a sick. Uh, there's, I, I get entertained by sick shit. Can't watch that. Man. Yeah, was, uh, that's, that's the, a level of cringe for me that is like, mm, mm. it's so juicy. I love it. Watching people try to be famous celebrities to no, to no audience. Hey, guys, you know, last week I told you guys how my dog died. You're like, <laughs> nobody was there last week. Nobody's here this week. But I'm there. So I'm, it's like I'm almost <laughs> tricking myself because like, I do remember when she said that. I watched that video, and I'm watching this video now when you're bringing it up again. So somebody's watching. <laughs> but it says nine views. <laughs> yeah, I mean. One of the, I might be all nine of them. Yeah, might so be. watching. Loyal. Anyway. This cool is this guy, Alvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm commenting on like, this is one of the best ones yet. Bologna salad, love it. <laughs> this is all based on a true story. I was, I was very, I found a lady like a Midwest cook on YouTube. She would make home recipes, and I was watching her videos like religiously for months. And nobody, there was like nobody watched them. But I was like, somebody make a bologna sandwich, man. I need to be in prison. Bologna salad. <laughs> oh, still bologna salad. Still she would put the bologna in a a wheel that you make. Uh, <laughs> Like pasta out of, and she yeah. would turn the bologna into squiggly pasta. Ew. And then mayonnaise. All of her recipes had to do with like mayonnaise. And uh, yeah, so she's great. That's Shout out to her. gross, man. <laughs> I'm going to go down my YouTube history. I'm going to find her again. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back in. I'm going to return back to that, that gross. rabbit hole. But anyway, yeah, so. You know, Where do you buy bologna from? Oh, she would buy it like by the hock. So it'd be like a oh, big okay. chunk of bologna. Oh, it's, it's not, not like, pre-sliced. With the red thing around it? No, it's yeah, but yeah, the whole thing is like a red. It looks like a big giant weenie. And then she has to she slices her own nah, bologna. That's sick. Nah. That's sick. I don't know where you get uh, uh <laughs> wholesale bologna from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole bologna. Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you get the whole bologna from. I my bologna I don't eat bologna, but like when I if I was to eat it, it would come in a pack. Yeah. She gets the bologna uh raw. Yeah. Like the straight up the whole thing. Which I, you know, well, yours has a first name, so my bologna has a first name yeah. for sure. Every time, <laughs> yeah, you know, every time I've never been like, let me go ahead and get the whole bologna. <laughs> I never had that the, the need for that much bologna. I don't even know how you store it. You gotta, <laughs> this is for deep freezer people. This is where you got to have a deep freezer to get that kind of product. Oh shit! The whole bologna is crazy. How much salad are you gonna? Who else is eating salad? <laughs> you know, cookouts. Uh, she's bringing that to the family. It's work the bee salad. Yes, Nobody yes. knows where the bologna it though. It's it's the bee it's, salad. It's, it's Tammy's special bologna <laughs> salad. It's warm. 
It's not cold. She doesn't refrigerate, Ugh. so the mayonnaise is all congealed. Anyway, we move on. It's, it's, it's getting crazy. <laughs> no, you gotta send me that. No, I will send you the links. I send you. Yo, you won't stop watching it. She'll once you start, you'll, she brings you into her world. <laughs> then you start saying oh. her catchphrases. You start you start like looking oh, at the shit. recipes. Like, I mean, would I eat that? That's the game I play. Like, would I eat this? Sometimes it's yes. Most of the time it's no. <laughs> Like a 90-10. It's 90-10. Zachary, yes. So this is uh this is potato chip salad. Everything's everything is salad or casserole. Potato chip casserole. It's either a salad or a casserole. It's crazy. So Everton Brown had over 20 years of unfavorable police interactions and disturbing social media posts that should have landed him squarely on a watch list of some kind. Dr. Drew Pate, who's chief of psychiatry for the LifeBridge Health Hospitals, declined to diagnose someone who he hasn't evaluated personally, but said generally postings like like Brown was making online suggest profound mental illness and untreated psychiatric disorders. Uh, He said, quote, someone who has become overly fixated with the FBI, for example, assuming that everything is focused around the FBI or that they're being followed, the mentally ill are far more likely to be harmed than to harm others but there are warning signs people should never ignore. I mean, so, but what, what rouses them up though? Like what mental is, illness? As I get that, but I mean, like, why FBI? Why is it somebody's watching it's me? Paranoia. Okay, that's the so root, that's right? the root of it. I mean, it can be it can be paranoid schizophrenia, but paranoia is like a, a diagnosable like thing to deal with. But why? Why is it FBI? Why is it FBI though, bro? It's, like, it's a whole. Like a whole swath of the country that is like the FBI rigged the election. I mean, like this is commonplace now. This isn't as crazy. There are people that you work with that if you talk to them long enough, they'll be like, well, you know, the election was stolen. Oh, absolutely. I had this shit all day. It's, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's this is we're in the middle. We're in the middle of a mental health crisis, bro. And it's becoming more like societally, societally acceptable to be a conspiracy theorist. and stuff. Again. I'm a casual conspiracy consumer. I recognize that the government is not telling you the truth most of the time. Right. That is a fact. Yeah. But I'm not a, per- I'm a person that a lot of, most of the conspiracy stuff that I like to watch is just for sillies. Right. But it's becoming more mainstream and scary and real when I go, oh, you don't just like watch YouTube videos for fun. You believe this. Yeah. You know, the Kyrie Irvings, the, the, the Kanye West. This is real. And 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 not, not to use them as an example because there's a ton of people. Yeah. Who? But I mean, like storm people, the Capitol. But these, you know, but this, I mean, like, but these people or some of these people, like, you know, just for instance, the dude you do Everton Brown. He's like nobody knows who this guy is. No. Except for the people on his blog. Yeah. And he's but, like, but oh, every, FBI is watching me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because he's paranoid and has delusions, and everybody on the block is like, "This guy's crazy." We're calling the police, yeah. but like, what? Like you said, like they you asked me, like, what can you do? They All you can do is call the police and say. This, he's like, I'm a taxpayer. I live on the street. I Same. my gun is I own it legally. Like if you if you want to ask me about my gun, if you if you call the police, it's like, well, here's the paperwork. Yeah. So I, it's my gun, and I'm just walking around with my gun, and I have a megaphone. You probably don't have any family, no immediate family. Oh, this guy's this guy's swimming in mental illness. That's crazy. And that's no that's, excuse. That's I mean, scary, he did something man. really crazy, but yeah. this is this is not like a he did something crazy because he is mentally ill, you know. So. This horrific tragedy called the red flag law into question, a law that at the time was only a few years old. So, friend, I don't know if you know, but 
the uh, red flag law was a law that was passed in 2018 here in Maryland. And it Hmm. says that uh, weapons can be removed from someone if they are deemed to be dangerous to themselves or to others. Okay. But a lot of people question how effective this law could ever be if Everett, if Everton Brown, a man with about as many red flags as a person could possibly have, yeah. was still able to keep his firearms. So, like, how who's deeming who's uh, a danger to themselves or others? Who has the, who's the keeper of this list? Who's following up on these people? If you call the police on somebody multiple times, like, how does that not land you on the list? You, you, especially when the calls involved, like, oh, he has a gun. Yeah, you well, know, he has videos. He's videos on YouTube. Like, like how who's monitoring this red flag law and how do you end up on it if this guy didn't end up on it so that when this happened it called this red flag law into question like what does this even do right how do you get on the red flag list how do you go and take weapons from somebody's home without causing a person that you think because here's the here's the real twist of this if you deem somebody so dangerous to themselves or others that you want to take their weapons Mm -hmm. how do you go get the, the weapons from that person how do you know that you have all the weapons that but how do you know how do you do it without incident you've mm. deemed this person to be dangerous in some kind of way that they shouldn't have weapons you think that person's going to just open the door and let you in no, so it really chance. it really called into law the you know people were saying it was kind of like a virtue signaling law like it, it's it's like a law to have on the books but like what is it how do you put it into pla- into practice right. how do you apply this law don't just have this to make people feel better like yeah. oh there's a law there's so a there's a list there's a list a magical list out there yeah. somewhere that people if you think they're dangerous they're on it and we'll we can confiscate their guns no well, how how did Everton Brown? Yeah. How did Everton Brown kill three people, blow up a house, and you know all this shit? And how and he wasn't on the red flags list. Yeah, just a law to make people feel comfortable. Yes, until the day happens where if, if you're like, oh, like, this law hello? doesn't do anything. Yeah. This law doesn't, doesn't do anything. Are you supposed to be doing something? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But we can't we can't just walk in. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's more so like to it's yes. more like a, a a pre. It's like a more like a. Um, a preventative law like you're supposed to be scared yeah so then you don't act crazy you don't do it and then you don't end up on the list yeah. it's like okay well that no that's dumb that doesn't work yeah that doesn't work like so what, prison yes <laughs> yeah. All the time. yeah this is supposed to be punitive you you do a bad thing you go to prison nobody wants to go to prison so law so crimes don't happen anymore yeah that worked out great <laughs> that's totally how that works So the terroristic violence in Woodlawn was an incredible tragedy stemming from a larger mental health crisis plaguing this country. One of the parts I find the most sad, Fran, other than the loss of life, obviously, is that many neighbors on the street expressed that this incident was of no surprise to them and that it was only a matter of time. time. Yeah. And so, like, back to the question you asked, like, you, you're, because I know that conversation. I know the other people at each other's cars being like, Motherfucker's crazy, man. Yeah. You know, they called the police again. Yeah. Like, it's only a matter of time before he takes it's that gun and shoots somebody. Bomb, you know, everybody's saying that and whispering that to each other, but it's like, what do you do? What do you all get together, get pitchforks, and run them out of the. Like, you can't do anything. So you just have to go, I mean, somebody's got to do something, but if nobody does anything, he's going to hurt somebody. Yep. And then it happened. Yep. So That's scary, man. It's really scary. So again, she can't do shit. That was the story of Everton Brown. I told a story of a neighbor. My neighbor was like, more like a silly in hindsight, fun, bad neighbor. Yeah. Like, you know, bad neighbor shouldn't be cussing at women on the street or whatever like that. But when you tell the story later on, it's like kind of funny, like wacky. This guy's great. But this is like real. Yeah. This is real. You know, just like that guy that killed that, that couple across the street, like two, two winners ago. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Like, 
with us. It was snowing. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. That was, yeah, it was wild. It's gruesome. The shotguns and all kinds of It was like, oh, that that boiled over. That was. Yeah, this wasn't just. That was all. That was held up. That, yeah. And it was just like, up. Oh, that's it. So he snapped. Yeah, man. This is why, man. It's scary, man. It, it, I've become more and more. Like right now, obviously, I live in, in an apartment, but like, you know, when I get to a certain age or my next house or something like that, I think I just want something just away. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to be like, I don't want to be, I mean, I don't want to be on a farm or something like yeah, that, yeah. but I want to tucked away, yes. single family yes. away. Yep. And my house was, but the, the, the people were like right there. Yeah. If they weren't, we weren't sharing walls, but like we shared a fence, you know, like it, they were right there. And this there was, guy, yeah, there was a level of comfort where people can go like, I'll come knock on his door. Yes. Because I'm right here. Yeah. It's like convenient. Yeah. I got to, you got to walk past my house. I don't want people to just be able to just walk past my no. house. You see me, you can away. say hi, and that's it. And I'm like 100 yards away from you. <laughs> yeah. You see, we waved. Yeah, like, that's it. You see the game last night? It's a lot of that. Like, yeah. I, I want to be that far. I want to be hand to the side of my face, uh, yell, distance away from my closest neighbors. But I don't want to be alone. Yeah. But I just want to be, yeah. I wonder what like the percentages of you getting like a shitty neighbor. Got to be high. Most people are shitty. That's true. I mean, I've met way more shitty people than people I like. Legit, though. I, my neighbor was not as bad as Everton Brown, but that last, those last few weeks at that house, bro, when I took that incident that I just described of him yelling at his neighbor, yeah. I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Cause I think he might hurt somebody. It was just so unhinged. He was like, you know, if somebody's yelling, but also laughing and smiling, like, oh, I bet you'll see. He would say, he was saying shit like oh, that, but good. loud. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet, honey. Yeah, yeah, okay. Old guy, like in the 70s, he's like, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yelling at like a 40 year old woman. Or just be like, I don't give a shit. I will light this block up. That's how the energy felt like. I don't, <laughs> I don't give a I don't give a fuck about it. I don't have a family. Like he didn't have a wife. Like he didn't have kids. Oh man. He's like, I don't have it was oh, very have, much like Oh, he told you all that? Yeah. Oh. But uh yeah, man, neighbors from hell. So hey, listen. We do a little thing called uh Tales from the Hood, mini sodes. If you're listening to this, you haven't listened to that, please feel free. Affirmative murder at gmail.com. If you have any crazy neighbor stories, obviously not as crazy as Everton Brown, but if you have any crazy neighbor stories like that. Please feel free to send them our way. We'd love to read about them, you know. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for some good vibes to uh, close out the episode. And friend, this week I have a good old, good old, good vibe story. Uh, this is the story about a dad who woke up from a coma to discover artistic skills that he never had before, and he's now a carpenter and model maker. Hmm. And this, this t- I'll get into it, but this is like, this was a dream of mine as a kid. I don't know what, this is, I feel like I'm playing a Pokemon Go or something. Okay, let me change the music, sorry. It's going to distract me. That was weird, I don't know what, what that playlist was. I thought it was commercial. Felt like a load screen for a Nintendo <laughs> uh, Switch game or something. Uh, anyway, a young father's recovery is baffling doctors after he awoke from a coma and discovered he had artistic talents like he never before. And now he's a professional carpenter and model builder. Wow. Mo Hunter was struck down by a rare form of bacterial meningitis and tuberculosis mm. in his brain mm. and left him fighting for his life in 2004. What? Yeah. He's uh, well, I don't think he was in a coma. Oh, I'll like say. But uh, so he spent more than a month in a coma and oh. doctors performed life saving surgery at Birmingham's Elizabeth 
at Birmingham's Queen Elizabeth Hospital, installing a shunt to drain fluid from his brain. I guess it was medically induced, I'm guessing. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, oh, it's making, my, it's making my head hurt. Uh, before his diagnosis, Moe had no interest in crafts or any notable artistic ability. He awoke from brain surgery and recovered much more quickly than expected. He said, my doctor said that I was a walking miracle. Not only that, he soon left his friends and family scratching their heads at his dis- at his display of creativity. The 38-year-old suddenly had an inexplicable talent for drawing, painting, and model building, despite being rubbish at art school, at art in school. I think this is a British um, thing. So um, I love that as well. He has a British accent. Uh, I really wasn't creative before in the slightest. I was more interested in going outside, football, and computer games. I took all that stuff. Uh, I look at all that stuff now and I'm like, never in a trillion years could I ever do that stuff. I have no idea what happened. When I spoke to a, neuro- to a neurologist, he just said, enjoy it. And never. And, and said, there's no such... Th- there's." There's so much about the brain they still can't decipher, and it's just a phenomenon. Nobody has really given a medical explanation for it. I just know comas can do crazy things to a human brain. They said there's many stories and theories over the years about people having awakened from comas with skills, even speaking other languages. The first thing he drew after... (laughs) The first thing he drew afterwards was a sketch of a character in the video game Legend of Zelda, and his mother immediately asked, "When did you learn to draw?" And there's holy shit, yeah, very the eyes, hey, yeah, uh, uh, it's crazy. I haven't stopped since then. I just found I had a passion which I, which never existed before. He used his new skill to embark on a career as a self as a wow. self employed carpenter and began building intricate model replicas of his favorite superheroes and film icons. The married father of one has since sold pieces of his artwork and displayed his creations at Comic-Con events across the UK. His home in Hereford, England, is now adorned with his paintings, illustrations, and, and Star Wars models from a life-sized R2-D2 to a miniature Chewbacca. Next year, a pod racer from episode one. I just feel incredibly lucky. So, uh, yeah, and that's him. That's, that's the guy right there. Uh, that's him next to something that he built. That's Mo. He built an R two D two. Wow! And he made that. He crafted it from himself. And he didn't have this ability before this coma. And as when I was a kid, there was a movie called Rookie of the Year. It's starring one of the guys from American Pie. I don't. I don't remember which one. But anyway, the plot of Rookie of the Year, Fran, is this kid. He's just a regular kid. He might even be on the baseball team. I don't know. Like at a school, he breaks his arm. They put his arm in the cast. The arm heals. When he gets the cast off, he goes back to like practice uh, playing baseball. And now when he fucking cocks his arm back, the shit comes, dislocates, snaps back crazy, makes his sound like a rubber band, and he can throw a 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm. And then he gets called up to like the major leagues baseball. And because, you know, it's one of those kind of movies. It's like big or something, like fantastical kid, lives out the wildest dreams, Shazam, all those kind of movies. So uh, he won Rookie of the Year awards. He won the World Series. Oh, wow. But check this out, right? So his arm, it wasn't fully healed. That's why I could do this weird thing. Ugh. So it's like you know what it's like. The black version of this movie is like Mike. Okay. So, but so it wasn't fully healed. So it does this weird, crazy shit. So he gets called up, living this life. He's on all the newspapers. He's this kid in the in the MLB. Mm. They get to the World Series. His arm is not broken anymore. Mm, but the then. Heel. 
is healed. So now it's just is a regular arm. Mm-hmm. But he's in the middle of the World Series, and he's the star pitcher, and the, the game's on the line. Yeah. And he just like breaks his arm. It goes no, no uh. he rebroke his arm. No, that'd be dark, man. It's not Saw. It's a lighthearted kids movie. Uh, so what happened was it like went back to like he was a bad pitcher before he did this. This happened mm-hmm. to him. So it like flashed back to the beginning of the movie where he like threw a melon. Like he just threw like a, a like a over the plate floater or whatever. Yeah. And the kid hit it out of the park. But it's the major leagues. Mm-hmm. So he like he like everybody thinks he's throwing the heat. So he threw a change up like he made it mm-hmm. look like whatever. Then he threw yeah. like a melon fucking guy swung missed and they won wow. but he didn't need his ability to he won it without his ability mm. then he retired he hung it up because you know he retired yeah because you know, he couldn't do the shit he anymore. right he would have done it for the rest of his life if he that could. didn't happen right. so it's almost like a fake uh a fake lesson learned like oh i'd learned that i could just be myself like nah bro if your arm could still do that gross shit you'd still be out there pitching right. in the majors but okay whatever you learned your lesson or whatever <laughs> but those kind of movies when i was a kid it'd be like man you can like go to sleep and then wake up and then something just changes in your whole life yeah and that was one. And so when I saw this story, I was like, no, that's crazy. You go to, obviously he didn't go to sleep. He's in a coma. But you go in a coma, wake up, and you can draw now? Yeah. That's crazy. You wake up, you can speak a different language? Like like the book Salt in His Shoes. Remember that book? <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. It's a book from Michael Jordan. His, he he played basketball when he was younger. He was shorter than everybody. Yes. And he wanted to add some height. So his mom put salt in his shoes because she said it helped him grow. Uh-huh. And then he went to sleep. And then he went to sleep with the shoes on, woke up, and he was like a couple inch, a couple feet taller. No, this is not and the now, story of Michael Jordan. And now, and now he this was. It's not the story. It was. This is the shoes. This is a. This is a. a oh, Michael a Jordan wrote it. Michael Jordan wrote it. This is a fictional. story. It wasn't. It's not what actually happened. I know that. Yeah. But when you I said think, it, I thought you believed. It. But it was. It was like. Oh, this is Michael Jordan though. Yeah. Yeah, it happened like over a summer or yeah. like a year or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but it's, that's what yeah. the book is called. It's called Salt in the Shoe. Salt in the Shoe. I thought you were saying this. You know, Salt in the Shoe, the Michael, the Michael Jordan autobiography. No, no, no. Where his mom no, put salt no, in the shoes, and no. then he grew up. It no. grew six inches. This is animated. This is yeah, animated. it's a children's book. <laughs> children's no, you didn't say that. I uh, thought you were saying. This I thought you, <laughs> you thought I was just a was give Oh yeah, I, I, I thought I was. You like, thought I'd be like, duh, this is actually. <laughs> That's how Michael Jordan became one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. His mom put salt in the shoes. That's what I thought you were saying. That's why I was no. like, no, no, no. This is a, a, a story. Saying. Salt in the shoes. Yeah. It's all fictional. Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> it's bit loosely based all, on Michael the Jordan. The whole conversation we just had was all fictional. <laughs> Nobody's making it to the MLB <laughs> with a broken <laughs> And they would have pitched 105 miles down. And you thought my story was... <laughs> Oh, you interjected, the way you interjected, I thought she was like, let me bring this back to reality and tell you about, it almost is like how Michael Jordan became 6'5". <laughs> That's what I thought she was like, let me bring it to, let's let's get serious no. for a second and talk about Michael Jordan. That's what I thought was, <laughs> you know, his mom put salt in his shoes, then one day he woke up 6'5", went to North Carolina, <laughs> yeah. became a Tar Heel. I'm like, no, what? Anyway, yeah, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's, man. What's your, oh, oh, my, um. My good vibe is about uh, an endangered frog mm-hmm. sees population explosion after 422 ponds were built in Switzerland. Ooh. So all of Switzerland's threatened frog species populations exploded when scientists began a simple pond building campaign. Particular among the web-footed beneficiaries were the European tree frog. Those numbers have quadrupled since 1999 and have the num. And have the numbers of areas they can be found. Mm. Now, the reason why I picked this one is this is cool. Short story. Yes. But I went into, I was on some TikTok page. I can't remember. 
Okay. But I've been come fascinated with frogs. With no, oh. with this endangered bird <laughs> called the shoebill stork. Okay. Right? Have you seen it? No. The shoebill stork. It's supposed to be like you know uh, a dinosaur bird that oh that the, big that crazy big, looking bird yes oh I, I, I thought it was fake on. for a long time so I, I thought I it did, was too I did look into it as real and then I, I man it looks like a big mad bird it's crazy but it's beautiful <laughs> it's though. flightless no it flies it can, fl- it, it, can fly? it can fly and you have to bow to get up for it no f- before you get close or for it to be like oh I trust oh okay wow because they, they like he like the bird like bows shake his head and you have to you have to do that Okay. If not, they're like, oh, well, you were a threat. Yeah. And, oh, and man. You don't want to be a threat to that you bird. You don't want to be a threat to that Because that's bird. a big bird. Because the, the beak is like, they call it because like a shoe. Uh-huh. And it could just. Crack your, crack your crack, melon. Yeah. <laughs> crack yeah, your melon. Yeah, crack your melon vicious. Oh, I love that bird, man. I didn't expect you to. Yeah, man. I, I've done a lot of research on it. They have two in Austin or Houston. Houston. Oh, man. I would, Houston? Love, I would love to go to Chicago. Oh, right, man. I got to make that happen for you. Yeah, man. Like, like a preserve or something? Yeah. Okay. They have two there. It's like two somewhere else in like land or something. But I'm like, damn. I, I thought it was fake all these years. But I'm like, no, it's a real. Yeah, I thought that was a damn uh, person. In a it's suit. a real, but it's like you have to. The most like famous part about it is like you have to bow. You have to bow when you're in to front get of that up bird. in the mix. Even to even you get, even get close. You don't bow, then it'll fucking take your head right between that yeah, beak and gone. Whole See, nose, the, your whole nose melon in. gone. Yeah, it's gone. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Switzerland, man. They're very inv- environmentally conscious. They're a beautiful country. I had a fantastic time in Switzerland, and that that's very par, very par for the course for them. They've clean streets, cleanest place I've ever been. Really? Very clean. Like Japan? I would assume I've never been to Japan, but I hear Japan's clean yeah, as well. You could drink. You could drink like the the what? <laughs> you drink the the water in the in the what in the, the toilet? Uh, <laughs> no, in the like uh, you know when it rains. Oh, out of the gutters. Out of the gutters. You oh, okay. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> The water from the sky is not clean, so I probably wouldn't drink that. I didn't know where you were going. I was like, drink water from where? What is clean? Why is it? Nothing's this clean. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. So I, I'm all for preserving species. Obviously, you know, we don't want to like bring back something. Like sometimes like, you read a thing and like, should we, should, should scientists be trying to figure out how to bring dinosaurs back? Like, let's, you know, let's keep it with stuff that's like. Bring it back. Huh? Should we bring it back? Like the, you find DNA from an ant, like the like Jurassic Park. Like you find DNA from a stone or something of a of a woolly mammoth or a T Rex, and then you you know find a way to you know revitalize it and put it in something, you know, like to give to give give birth to one. No, this is things. These are discussions people are having. How long is that? You bring something back that never existed. That's first and foremost. Okay, I didn't see where you were going. Okay, yeah. now, okay, so gotcha. How do you, now. How do you okay, bring back something? Got it, got it, got it. That, got it, got never, it, walk, that never walked this earth. We can move on. Mm-hmm. We can move on. Uh, yeah, so. All right. You, fin- you, think they, they, you think they was walking around here at some point? I I do. You do. I do, but it's, if you don't, that's fine. That's it's not fine, but it's fine. It's become fine nah, because that's kind of your because thing. Because it's the truth. And I, one thing, while we're on the subject of like the things Fran believes, what I you coming I around on what graveyards? What no? Oh, okay. Um, because that's people have turned it into. People keep twisting it around, and now they've made it into something. What that that's not what you said. What, what about what? There's people saying like I don't know. I've, I've been I, every once in a while I get tagged in something, and apparently there's a podcast or a show or something mm. about graveyards and yeah. They're 
turning them over or they're you know they they after a hundred years they 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 get the plot back take them out yeah that's not what you said that is what i said i just want to reiterate for people before you think about sending me messages when you see something about graveyards and you you think you think of fran he said there is no bodies in graveyards that's what he said there's nothing that not when you can't pay the rent anymore they repo your plot of land they didn't, it's not what he said. He said that the graveyards are empty. There's no graves, no, no bodies in any graveyards. No, I said they reused them. That's not that's what, what you that's said. That's what I said. That's not what I you said. I said they reused them. That's not what you said. Meaning there are spots where there isn't anything down there because they, they're going to resell it again. The ones that go, when you run the drop pass where it's like a church and it's like the, and the, the whole plot looks old as shit, uh-huh. I go, no way. There's, there's anything there. They don't. Churches are not doing that. These I'm talking about. Where's the business? Yeah, like a grave, a like graveyard. a graveyard. I'm yeah. talking about there was graveyards outside of a church that did this a hundred years yeah, ago. Yeah, old bodies. Just old. It's nothing there. There's nothing there. You think it's, they dug those bodies? up? Yeah, it's nothing there. And it's just there for show. Sure. Yeah, it's, it looks it looks nice the, for this aesthetic. What is it? What how you said the word? Aesthetic. aesthetic. <laughs> it's just oh, they have a it's nice church. Yeah, they have like a, they used to have a small graveyard yeah. for the, like their their it's, committed it's all, members. It's all lumpy. It's like nah, it's nothing there. Okay. Hey man, uh, you've been watching anything? You've been watching? Anything I watched um, All Quiet on the Veteran Front. Oh, I don't know what the hell is that. It's like a Steven Seagal movie. It's like a it's like a war movie. Okay. So it's a, it's about I didn't finish it because okay. it's, it's really it's long. long. It's long war movie. So it's about um these. Nobody, nobody. He said, "I don't know, know any." Okay, but that's not it's, saying much. But okay, go ahead. It's it's uh it's about these kids or this guy who was like, it's German too. It's, it's German. Oh, it's so German. It's, yes. So it's like, it's about a kid that was like, that was excited about going into the military. Yes. But then when they get into it, they see how real it get. Sure. And that's the movie. <laughs> okay, I, didn't finish, okay. I didn't finish. Okay. It's right. just it's just like they were excited at the beginning, all excited. Oh, yes, uh, you know, it's in German. I don't know. Yeah, to speak. And then they get into it. And then Sounds like Jarhead. Bodies everywhere, and f- best friends are dying. Yeah. And, oh man, it's, she get real, oh, and it's like, oh, intense. this shit is terrible. Yeah, that sounds intense. I've been watching. I am a stalker on Netflix. Uh, that's been really interesting so far. It's like they have another show called I Am a Killer on Netflix. It's like a part of the series. Um, and th- but this one's about stalkers, obviously. Uh. I'm still catching up on Love is Blind because uh, I'm apparently got crazy. The reunion and all this stuff got crazy for this season and it's wild. So I got to catch up on that. And, uh, oh, we didn't talk about this uh, season. There's going to be a season two of the monster show. The first season was Jeffrey Dahmer, obviously. Oh, yeah. But the second that, yeah. season will most likely be John Wayne Gacy because, as I said on here, they kind of show John Wayne Gacy in it. Like they they uh, they preluded John Wayne Gacy like a Marvel movie, mm. like here's a, here there's a here's here's who's coming next. So um, like after the credits, yeah, it was like a post credit scene. <laughs> it was like a post credit scene where it's like, you thought he was bad. Wait till you meet me. It was one of those. Oh, I thought things. it was like a, a drone over over top of a circus or something. No, but basic. No, kind of. Basically, oh. they they did a clown. It was like they showed clown painting. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. hints where yeah, you're yeah. like you knew. Yeah, okay, John Wayne Gacy. So apparently, uh, you know, apparently they're gonna do like mo- monster, and they're gonna do the same five guys that we've been getting for years. I'm, I'm assuming anyway, but based on who they started off with, I would assume they're gonna go Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, 
John Wayne Gacy, you know. So yeah, so um, it was a hit, man. I mean, it was a hit. Least- I mean, the the numbers keep coming back. It's like the most streamed show. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to die off know, though. Yeah, well, it right probably already has. I'm talking about when the new it. ones come out. Oh, people that's going to watch the other ones is going to be people I, that's. Well, in I the don't tree, know I that though because like. One thing this show proved, and as we already knew, is that like there's a massive demand for true crime entertainment. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's this like battle for ethics in true crime, and there's a lot of people that, um, like for example, I put up a post about the the Casey Anthony mm. show, right, and overwhelmingly the comments were negative. I mean, that's all they were. That's all they were were, were negative, but uh, not just negative because that's all that's what I expected. She's awful, but it was not just negative. It was n- hate this. And I'm not going to watch it. But when it comes out, it's going to be the most talked about, streamed, all the numbers are going to come in. So somebody's lying, right? Mm. So people, this, the, the, the monster Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Dahmer show got negative feedback. People were like, this is immoral. The family members, what about them? The trauma. But the numbers keep coming in. Yeah. People watching it by the millions. It's the second most streamed, most streamed. This, all these numbers keep coming in, right? So people say one thing and do another thing. And some people say it and mean it. There are definitely people who go, I'm not going to watch this Casey Anthony thing. But just statistically, I have to believe that there are people that are on that post that I put up that are saying, this is terrible. I, don't, I will not support this. Who are going to watch it. But it just sounds like the good thing to say to be like, I will never support. We should all cancel Peacock. And you know I'm not canceling Peacock because I'm a subscription whore. So <laughs> You don't even watch it now. I don't even watch it now. So I'm already boycotting it, but also paying them, which is crazy, right? <laughs> Who's really winning? Uh, the bird. So <laughs> so my, my only point is like, yeah, Monster 2 will come out, and it'll be about John Wayne Gacy. And I'll see all kind of think pieces about why does America have such a fixation on white male serial killers? But then it'll be the most streamed thing on Netflix again. And so it'll be this, like, we're seeing one thing on, in the news about the responses to it. Like, people hate it. It's wrong. But then also everybody's watching it somehow at the same time. Yeah. So, it's, so I don't know if it'll die off because people are fascinated by true crime and some people don't care about the morals of it. Yeah, man. Some people just want to see people get cut up and murdered and stabbed and then be scared like some people can just let, watch the dump the jeffrey Dahmer show and be like this is sp- spooky yeah and I, not think of it being real people i feel like and that's overwhelmingly who it is yeah i feel so. like the numbers will die but i mean like if they come out and kill it no pun intended um then you know people will watch it i mean it, they've already laid the formula out so that's they're just gonna do that what they did with an, an another guy who killed a bunch of people so it's gonna be the same thing it's gonna be the same tone I just, don't, I, I just don't think it's going to be as big as Jeffrey Dahmer, though. We'll see. I don't think it's going to be that, as many newbies, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's going to be, cool. I think it's going to be strictly newbies. That's kind of my point. It's like so? people, oh, well, a, lot of the people that are, a lot of the people who are saying this is awful are like people who really watch like Dateline and, and Unsolved Mysteries and Forensic Files. Like people that really absorb true crime a lot can see the the unethical part of right, that. I get that. Those people are the ones that are like, I'm not going to stream the Casey Anthony documentary. I'm not watching the Jeffrey Dahmer show. The people that are just like, Ooh, blood. Those are the people that watch the Jeffrey Dahmer show. Ooh, this girl, wait, she killed her baby and she's a liar. Or she, oh, I gotta, I gotta watch this. Those are the newbies. The newbies are the ones that are flooding these things. Mm. The real like people that like really give a shit about unsolved murders and stuff. Like those are the people who have the, the moral compass of I've, I've seen enough of this entertainment 
that I know the difference between ethical entertainment and unethical entertainment, and I'm not going to support that. How are you not watching when it's like it's all around you, though? That's what I mean. That's why I'm saying, like, yeah. even in those, even in the people that I believe are saying the right thing, it's going to be the biggest thing on television. Yeah. When it comes out, it's Casey Anthony sitting in front of a camera in a room. People are going to watch to see what she has to say. Even if they go, I don't want to hear what she has to say. She's a liar. Who cares? People. Are I think it's going to be full of crap. I, don't oh, think she can I say know anything. it's going to be full of crap. I'm not going. I'm not going to watch it. I know it's going to be full of crap. I don't have Peacock, so I definitely won't watch it. Well, I do. And I might, I might pop it on. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this has been I'm another episode. Yeah, hey, man, listen, I'm, I'm getting there. This has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Alvin. What? Franco Alvin? Franco Alvin. It's me and you. We joined the hit, bro. With family, man. We're like two peas in a pod. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.